Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, or girls and boys, because we're not sexist. This is Larry Charles, one half of the Game Dev Unchained podcast team, the number one podcasting team, putting out podcasts every Tuesday on video game development and the lifestyle thereof. And if you listened and paid attention, I said the word team, which means I don't do it by myself. This week, the milk cookie dunking champion of 2010, Mr. Brandon Fam. Hey, this is your sugar daddy, Brandon Fam. What's up, everybody? <laughs> Welcome to this week's episode. This is a special one. It is just Larry and I kind of having a recap of GDC. Uh, yeah. A little a little preview of the, what the episode's about. I did do a little live interviewing for the first time, and that's going to follow uh, our intro. And I think it's a great time to kind of give like a review of what went on and uh, how it went. Right. So. Larry, uh, you joined us late in the week, uh, last day possible, but uh, I've been (laughs) right on time. (laughs) Exactly. Right on time. So we had like an unofficial official meetup on Friday, but uh, I, yours truly was there the whole week um, just to give a little insight on uh, mostly indie developers that was happening. And I was kind of looking at the show floor while avoiding listeners. Uh, no, no, I'm not. Wasn't I wasn't avoiding listeners. It may seem like that, but I was kind of like waiting for the time for both of us to show up to, to kind of see him. I did yeah. see some here and there uh, throughout the parties and the week, but uh, I kind of want to go all the way back to Monday and kind of give my um, feelings on, on, on everything. Yeah. Right. Um, through which parts you said the best free food through the week. <laughs> basically. The, so my, my theory on what the best parties and how much of a good time you're going to have uh, definitely ranges from and surrounds the foods that you uh, get to. Basically, so the hottest parties are the ones with the best spread from what I've seen. And uh, from Monday to Tuesday, I I felt like it it started out pretty slow. Like, um, as usual, I was able to get in the conference, but it was mostly session talks on Monday, Tuesdays. The expo wasn't open and the bulk of people that actually come into town uh, would be on Wednesday. Um, And it, it probably is a range mostly with indie developers and students, I think. Uh, that would come in for because mostly having expo tickets or just enough tickets to kind of talk to other people. But I think for Monday, Tuesday is when when all the professionals kind of come into town mostly because those are when the talks are. So I was able to spot a few friends here and there. Um, it was really cool. And, um, you know, there was a couple of session talks that are very interesting. And hopefully at some point we'll have them on. But the thing that I noticed differently is that um, 
the Moscone Center actually opened up a new headquarters, like the building that has always been under construction the last few years. That was the one that we actually used up uh, for North and South. They're still under construction, obviously across the street, but it was a new building, um, which was pretty neat. Like uh, it was the first time when I went into it where I felt I, I didn't notice it at first. I knew the layout was different, but I had no idea that it was one of the new buildings and it looks a lot nicer. Um other than that, like Monday and Tuesday, there were parties, but I feel like uh, the rain kind of kind of soured the mood a bit like the, um, you know, you really had to really wanted to go to the parties to actually show up there. Um, and there was a few like mixers here and there, but uh, the usual we had the uh, I think believe I believe the poly count party was on Wednesday. That was the one that was uh, the most activity, I think. That's when everyone was starting to get into town. So it was cool because, you know, Larry and I, especially me, man, I came in not really um, expecting much, right? We didn't have like official, we we tweeted it out there, you know, hey, we're going to be there, but we didn't really think about what the turnout would be. But my first celeb moment was someone hearing my voice while waiting in line and then them recognizing uh who i was just through my voice and (laughs) if you're not larry i feel like i don't really have a unique voice mine kind of goes up and down especially in the higher range so the squeakiness i'm glad that someone was able to recognize it but that was when uh, I think that was the start of the next few days where more and more people was recognizing the podcast, which was great because I don't think Larry and I have ever met anyone, including our friends that actually listened. Right. We kind of see the numbers. We see the comments. We see the activity in, in uh, discord, but really never putting a face to it. So uh, it was kind of neat seeing that happen throughout the professional students, like a whole range of people. Um I don't know, Larry, like what were your expectations uh, throughout the week before, obviously, Friday? Like, what were you thinking? Yeah. Well, what's interesting about being the person who stays back until the last day of GDC, you get a great view of what all the GDC presentations are, obviously, through social media as people on Facebook start reacting and start, you know, sharing and promoting the things that they're working on. But more specifically, the ones that rise to the top and get shared the most, like obviously Epic you know, really threw down the gauntlet this GDC and showed off some really amazing demonstrations and mm-hmm. technology. I think the Andy Circus demo where first you see his digital character doing the monologue and then, you know, just to throw salt in the game, <laughs> they mm-hmm. then had that same capture, I guess, running facial performance in real time for a completely alien, you know, uh, 3D character. And it's doing the same performance, same monologue simultaneously, but you're able to pick up on some of the just slightest subtleties of like, you know, just the the eyelids, how they're reacting as he's acting through the different phonemes or, or saying the different words and putting emphasis in specific places and the brow furrows, the cheek, like everything about it was just, you're just watching with this sense of wonder and awe and like, wow, how is this even possible in real time? Right. 
you know, sure, $150,000 PC helps, but we're not, Close. at least it exists. So I actually went over NVIDIA both. So, of, of course, Unreal, you okay. know, they're they're the best when it comes to presentation. Like Unity, you know, even if they're on par with stuff, like you, mm. Unreal has that extra polish when it comes to presentation. It just seems, it's like the Apple approach, you know what I mean? It's like, exactly. <laughs> the Apple approach, like everything they regurgitate, maybe old tech, but... Like it at the same time, it just sounds new, right? So Unreal Tech was impressive because you know it, it's displaying real time uh, solutions. When before, you know, still now we're still relying offline. So you're gonna see this emergence or um, merging of the two industries happen, and it's gonna be three, four years or or something before that that beast of a machine can fit. So I dropped by the Nvidia booth uh, to look at this machine. And you were close by a third, <laughs> by three quarters, basically. So uh, it, it's a third of the cost. So it's a fifty thousand dollar rig to run oh. that demo. Okay, that's actually not too bad, dude. Fifty thousand dollars—that's like a freaking car. No, it was. No, but think about it like this, right? Yeah, I'll just do this real quick. Fifty thousand dollars for Epic Games at this stage is like okay. We have access to graphics card GPUs, maybe like six GPUs running simultaneously, right. and because of cryptocurrency mining, maybe those prices are a little inflated. Fifty yeah. K today means like you know a ten K computer when it actually hits consumer level, right? And yeah. even that's still a lot. Okay. But you know, like when know. they said 150,000, I was like, okay, so I'm never going to see this in yeah. the house. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But 50K, I can see that squashing down to right. consumer levels so while that, I'm still alive. Exactly. So that kind of gives you the outline of when this machinery and tech will be available to the regular consumer. Like 50,000, I'm thinking four or five years before mm. it squashes down to a computer that we can actually use, which is great, right? It's not that far off to have real-time ray tracing uh solutions which is yeah. amazing right um at the same time on the unity camp you know they're still showing off great stuff uh, mm-hmm. you know they, they they have the i can i can see them more and more uh on the same level right yeah, um, you can't sleep on unity man yeah you can't sleep on unity like graphic fidelity is there i i feel like Mm-hmm. Maybe here and there, tweak, tweaking it a bit. But the tools is the only thing I feel like is still swaying a lot of AAA dev to Unreal, right? And eventually tools will get better and better. So um, that was the biggest thing. Um, aside from that, what I have noticed, all right, uh <laughs> Speaking of Epic, right? Uh, if any of you guys, any listeners out there that had the pleasure of going to GDC and you had the pleasure last year to go to GDC, I remember very precisely what the Epic booth looked like. Last year, it had pretty much, uh, you know, a couple of couches, a couple of tables, uh, a very, you know, normal presence, nothing big, but they uh, have the same setup as this year where they also have a biz dev. Uh, mm-hmm. two, two, two levels where you can go upstairs for little meetings and the bottom is like the handing out shirts this year, dude, it is insane. I call them PUBG sandwiches. Uh, mm-hmm. they were handing out PUBG cookies, uh, meaning it was Fortnite, like <laughs> it was Fortnite finance, but it was like the whole day. So what from 10 a.m. 
to 6 p.m. Mm. They had a bakery chef behind the counter. They had chefs making sandwiches. They had chefs like uh, had uh, laying out cups and just 24 seven beers. Mm. And anybody, anybody can go up and just grab it. Like I must have had like eight cookies. You know, that was my pit stop as I was going through the expo. Like every three booths or so, I go back to Epic, grab a cookie, continue my my journey. The difference of what this year and last year was, as you can see, very self-evident. Like Fortnite is making a shitload of money. Uh, It's been two months. I mean, I think the only numbers that are official was the mobile number numbers, which is about a couple million in the last Mm -hmm. uh at that time, four days being out, right? Two million dollars made from the mobile version alone. Uh, and the figures for the Fortnite PC, I don't think it's official yet, so I can't really say anything. It's a lot, right? What you think it is, it's probably a little more than that. So they are definitely flexing their muscles at GDC. And, uh, you know, if anyone else needed that it would be epic um the one thing i do notice and this might be very interesting right last year i feel gdc was swamped with a lot of vr vr was exciting vr was everywhere this year was a little more balanced uh the epic booth itself you know it it had its games you know plenty of couches all the swag were just a free-for-all they just left it in baskets so anyone can go in there and just grab it like they didn't hand it out or anything. They had like these uh, uh, thermos in these baskets that you can just grab, you know, stickers or all that stuff. It was around like, these couches set up. Uh, they had like this, um, uh, what's that pony from Fortnite? Um, the but llama. The, the llama. They had a rodeo that you could actually get on and and like uh, ride it right in the front of this whole booth. And a giant TV, right? So their 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 setup was the best, I believe, out of all the major publishers or whatever. And it was the prime spot; like they were right in the middle as you walked in. The interesting thing is, as you know, any all the games that are displayed using Unreal, you know, most of them you've never really heard of. It's mostly double A at most, um, but there was no real triple A games, so. I don't know if we discussed this before, but a lot of Unreal games from PS3 to PS4 aren't AAA as much anymore. Like a lot of studios opting, I believe, towards um, their own engine or, uh, yeah, mostly that. Like, um, so I did notice that. And the one big missing game, which was the number one game that used Unreal outside of Epic, was PUBG. So I don't know if that was an interesting fact. Uh, I'm sure Epic wanted it, but uh, Blue Hole most like this is speculation, right? The number one game before Fortnite, before Fortnite came out, you know, the last year was PUBG. It was everywhere before Fortnite came out. It was interesting that it wasn't there. Maybe because they felt Fortnite and no. PUBG is too similar. Uh, we all we all know exactly why. Yeah, PUBG was not there. I was <laughs> under the flagship. Exactly. So that's why I enjoy my PUBG sandwiches <laughs> as I'm watching you Fortnite. <laughs> you don't. You know what I mean. You don't bring your ex wife to your new girlfriend's house. <laughs> exactly. That's just, that's just how it goes. Exactly. Out of all the games, if it was strictly about showing off the power of Unreal, 
PUBG should have been there. It wasn't right. Like it was all the other games I never really heard of. It, it looked great, but it, it doesn't have the notoriety that PUBG has. So that that was cool uh, that that happened. Um, the expo itself was a standard, right? You would have all the your Facebook was a real presence as well. They had their Oculus. They had their Facebook gaming. Um, Oculus Go is uh, their main flagship. Like they're really pushing that, which is the two hundred dollar device, right? Mm-hmm. So th- we're starting to see a uh, uh, departure between Oculus Go and HTC Vive, right? HTC Vive uh, announced their nine hundred dollar like Vive Pro, right? So yeah. obviously, one's going two hundred, one's going pro. So they're not eating each other's market anymore. Uh, I don't know how you feel about this. Well, the uh, the good news is also for other people who are interested in vibes, you can get the regular vibe now yeah. for significantly less money. So that kind of starts to compete in Oculus territory, which is I think it's the price is now set to four ninety nine for the original vibe, and you can get the new Pro vibe for nine hundred dollars. I personally would probably just go and get the vibe for five hundred bucks. Like I'm mm-hmm. excited that that it's at that price point because it's the tech that I wanted just that extra $200, you know, was still a considerable hurdle for me personally, already having one VR device, you know what I mean? Like, it's like now I'm going to be spending $1,500 or I, what's the math? So like 700 in tax plus the, I think it was like 500 in tax that I paid for the Oculus. So it's close like 13 and change. So what, how do you feel like, is it smart that Facebook is finally seeing how their Samsung gear is capturing more audiences than their regular Oculus? Is this, that's probably why they're going, I'm speculating, but I want to know your thoughts on that. Like is HTC Vive doubling down on the high end market? Like, is this a smart move for both? Well, personally where I am on all this is still, I believe I'm in the same spot of like, until we see some sort of cross-platform or unification, it's going to be hard for all of these technologies to exist. I think they're going to pull each other all down mm-hmm. because, and this, this is why I say this, right now, gaming for sure is taking off as the main thing that you do with VR applications. But I personally haven't seen, and this, again, I underline personally, haven't seen great examples of like the non-gaming use cases where, oh, clearly I can see Xerox buying 20,000 vibes, right? Like, oh, of course, this hospital is going to install, you know, 50,000 Oculuses. Like, I I haven't seen the software that's driving it as hard outside of gaming. And therefore, because of that, if gaming is the main sector right now, then we're still talking about people who consider this an additional peripheral of like, I have to have a tight PC. I have to have a great graphics card already. Then I have to have the space. And then I have to buy this just to play games, right? Mm-hmm. Like I'm spending this extra $500 and this extra $900 to play games versus if it was like, Oh, you know, Carnegie Mellon figured out how to do X, Y, and Z with this. And now, you know, all prospective students are interested in like doing this kind of stuff is going to, you're going to get a vibe and they're going to push tech that way. Or, you know, Facebook, I think Facebook was going to try to start that trend, but I haven't done Facebook spaces with anybody. I haven't done, you know, like game room with anybody yet. And again, like I said, I'm using my own personal experience, but also no one that I know with Oculus has, or Vive has come to me like, Oh, Larry, let's do something in spaces that happened once, like the day that it launched. And since then I haven't heard shit. You know what I mean? Right. But I have been invited to do lots of game stuff. 
So with that said, it's going to be hard, in my opinion, for Vive Oculus to compete. Also, you know, Magic Leap is coming out. Other AR platforms, which I think have a stronger application when I think of general consumption, I think that AR is a much stronger offering than VR, personally. And so I think that VR is going to kind of suffer from when AR gets really cool games. Because then it's like, oh, you're integrating your game world with your real world. Technically, that's what you're supposed to be doing with VR, but you're completely closed off from your real world. Right. You know what I mean? And I I have a feeling that AR is going to really hurt VR game development. And because of all the options, because there isn't just a like, okay, look, Facebook, Oculus, Vive, we know that there's competition, but right now we need this industry to be proven. We need this industry to work. We need consumers to believe in it. We need developers to believe in it. You know what I mean? Like we need to create the ecosystem first before we start talking about tangential competition. And I don't think it's going to happen because we're in America and, you know, capitalistic view on like, well, we're going to spend our money and do it our way. And you have your own mission statement and let's all just do okay together versus somehow let's come together as a mega corp for VR slash AR. Let's be the thing pool the resources and find a way to make sure that the world is just absolutely blown away by this technology and somehow get it to the price point where if it's for gaming, if it's for doctors, if it's for just being at the grand Canyon while you're sick in your hospital bed, whatever it is, having one unified platform solution to start the ecosystem, I think is the strongest way to kind of move forward with this, but we're not going to get that. And that's just, again, my personal opinion. And I feel like because of the competition, you're already creating a like, a fractured audience now fractured again, right? Right. right. Like, oh, I want VR, but which one do I get? Which one are my friends on? Which yeah. one are? And it's very. So, it's very from the niche. Um, yeah. uh, the one, th- I'm still waiting for the one company to have a presence in GDC, and mm-hmm. it might be their next phone or whatever that incorporates more AR, which has been rumored to be the case. Apple. Apple is surprisingly never anywhere at GDC and they represent such a huge market in yeah. the game industry. Never really see them there. Um, do Is it just because they really don't care? Which is kind of funny because 80% of their app purchases are games. And mm-hmm. that's just data that just been released a few months ago. But I think the thing from Apple's perspective is Apple has their own event, right? They have right. the Worldwide Developers Conference and even there, right, they are talking about gaming. They're like, oh, here's what we've done in Swift, or here's how Metal is going to do X, Y, and Z, or here's the new App Store stuff. So they spend all their money, all their show money on doing their own show when they're the only person being talked about. So they're getting the most efficient use of their advertising capital when it comes to trade shows by doing it that way. They're big enough that they can have their own audience and they have their own time where no one else is talking about other stuff, right? So like, Sure, it wouldn't cost them as much, but it's Apple. You're going to expect them to do like, you know, like we said, something grandiose. And so that is going to cost money. And then it's immediately going to be thrown into conversation loops where other people are talking about, damn, did you see what Epic did with ILM? Right. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. Did you see all this and that? And then all of a sudden, oh, yeah. And Apple's doing something, too. You know what I mean? Versus. They do their own event where no one else is like focused on getting any sort of spotlight. And then all that you can talk about in the tech world is the cool couple of things that, you know, they're doing in the gaming space. Right. Somehow making it harder to cut crack or I don't know. I'm not going to talk for what they have on the horizon. Right. Right. Know. It might be years. I mean, 
I think really for iPhones, well, iPhones are doing fine, but like the next biggest breakthrough with them would be them incorporating some kind of glasses technology mm-hmm. for their next phone, yeah. which I think they are, right? That's been rumored yeah. years and years for years, and that's their AR being yeah. their forefront technology. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that, and I do agree. Like the VR stuff mm-hmm. is going to be difficult to capture the general audience to buy in. Um, I am starting to see the effort being uh, put in malls and all this stuff. And like more and more people know what they, what it is and are more inclined to try it on, but Mm -hmm. I still not seeing uh, people buying it under the Christmas tree. I mean, PlayStation is probably the closest. Mm. So I can give you what I believe would be Apple's next like big transitional move based on what I know of technology existing right now and where I think it's going. Uh, I think the best thing that Apple could do is get out of the device space for a thousand dollars, $600 and really go back to this little $200 iPhone is really, it's just a camera and a Bluetooth or a like modem with some basic processing stuff in there because 99% of everything that your iPhone is going to do is just going to receive stuff that's being computed in the cloud. Right. Mm-hmm all your data, all your contacts, all your hard drive, all your files, all that stuff is going to be off the phone and just go straight to cloud. Right. All your gaming, all your, yeah, all of that. You think so? Seriously. Seriously. That's the way that computing is just going to go in general. This this is kind of breaching into our round table discussion, which we'll discuss in huge. I'll just say this, like, you know, the whole Facebook thing that's Mm -hmm. happening, like Apple is like the number one proponent to uh, privacy because they're the one unique tech giant in Silicon Valley that doesn't rely yes. on ads. So yes. I think that's their strength. And I, as soon as they turn it on into the cloud for that stuff, since they've had cloud hacks before, um, mm-hmm. I think they're going to be really wary to, sure. to promote that. Sure. But as from where I sit, they also have the safest platform as far as security goes right, right. where, you know what I mean? Like thus far, and they already system, do. Yeah. Yeah, they already do have cloud-based stuff. I just see it getting better and better so that they can bring the cost of the device down or even just get rid of the device altogether somehow. Even if it's like my contact lens, all it needs to do is be able to interpret what is being done in the cloud and send it to my record. I definitely want to see it. They're going to have to do something to make the glasses cool, right? It can't be a big honkin binocular. Yeah. (laughs) Well, anyways, we'll save that for the round table. So that... You know, aside from that, you know, there were game demos as usual. I didn't feel like anything. It was exciting games and stuff. It was cool to see. Uh, but GDC is not an E3, right? You're not really there. You're yeah. more there for biz dev. So my 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 stance going into this one um, was, was different than before. Like usually, like we mentioned before, uh, students, professionals go there to find jobs, right? But mm-hmm. I came there kind of just representing myself the podcast you know biz dev stuff like what else can i do uh and and talk to other people and that just opened up like a whole other side of gdc that i have never really been paying attention to um i won't go into details i don't want to get anyone in trouble but i'll just leave it at this you know there was a whole gdc after dark that had Hmm. no idea uh, that was happening, and it seems like yeah. it's been happening pretty much to any convention that comes into town, which was very eye-opening uh, mm. and very fun to see. Um, and the the 
The one thing that I think I want to add to to our GDC episode that we didn't really talk about, I think we brushed it a bit, but um, you know the bars are obviously outside of GC where you can meet professionals, but the hotel lobbies are mm. uh, or the hotel bars and stuff are yeah. always active. Um, yeah, uh, there's overflow there. There's a huge overflow because obviously everyone comes in town. Uh, the Marriott. Uh, in San Francisco is like the hottest hot t- hotel. It seems it's like one of the biggest and everyone seems to be staying there. The W is another popular one. And when I was just trucking through there, everybody was having business development meetings uh, throughout the day, right? During GDC, after GDC, after midnight, it was just active all the time. Um, uh, it, it was a lot of fun, man. I basically didn't sleep until 2 a.m. like every single day. Um, but the activity did not uh, turn up until Wednesday, basically when everyone came into town. And obviously the biggest parties uh, were happening. Um, the highlight parties, I would have to say, you know, our boy Ray, his company does <laughs> throw a really awesome party. It was a, yeah, the Unity party. Yeah, Unity was awesome. It was basically four floors uh, with an open bar at each floor. And at the very top was like a full spread of food the whole night. And of course, when Ray arrived, the way he found me was going up to the food at the very top. Uh, He couldn't text me and that's where he found me. And it was delicious. That and uh, I would say overall, the Unity party was the most fun and the most mm-hmm. decorated. They had like a DeLorean in the front. Uh, they had a DJ as you walked into the lobby uh, or, or, or the, the, the main floor. Um, and of course they had it all decked out with all unity stuff, which is great. No swag though. We're kind of disappointed in that I thought everyone would get a party bag, but to give it some perspective, there was a thousand people at that party. So I don't think <laughs> they had the ability to hand free shit out, but it was cool. It was really cool. Um, I have to say, the one uh, downside that I totally did not expect to happen, uh, but in retrospect, you know, coming to GDC with business development in mind, uh, this happened, right? So I'll just go right into it. So I have to say, Larry, uh, for two, I would say two to five minutes, I felt what you've been feeling your whole life. <laughs> so we went, you know, so there was like a, a school representing there. Right. And I, I approached mm-hmm. the school because we have the service and I was pretty much giving my, my pitch, right. It was LSU, right. I'm calling this guy out LSU. And it was the only table that I saw within the vicinity. I approached him very professional. like, Hey, hello, sir. Do you have a second? I was talking to the director of the game, uh, curriculum at LSC, right? I had no idea they had a game uh <laughs> they have a game curriculum, but they do. And so I went up to him and was like, hey, you know, LSC, Louisiana, I assume it's very hard to get professionals there. You know, we have the service. Be great to yeah. One on one, you know, this and that. Uh, I think it'd be very beneficial. And it was like a, a elevator speech. I didn't take too much of his time. And the whole time, man, he was looking at me up and down just judging dude but like i I kept my cool because i knew like within five words i knew that nothing's gonna come out of this right 
just the way he looked at me. And then I finished, finished what I was saying. And he's waited. He waited till I was done to say this. He's like, you know, we're a legitimate school. Like we're not into scamming our students. And so uh, I don't know about what your online school is about, but I don't think it's it's going to be a good fit. I was like, whoa, what? <laughs> this caught me completely off guard. Like it's one thing to say it with your eyes, right? But it's another mm. thing to completely vocalize uh, what he was thinking, right? So, the, the, yeah. So, so I can <laughs> let me jump in and say. Right, so give me some background about LSU, right? I only know they they have a football team. Louisiana State University, great football team, right? They're also in Louisiana. It's a part of the South. I'll just say. Okay. And I don't, nor would I go to LSU. If I was interested in art or game development, yeah, uh, I know that EA tried to like kickstart a little bit of you know like kind of they tried to kick help kickstart some of this like game development stuff way back in the day. I think maybe right. two thousand three, uh, right. some sometime around then. I remember hearing the news because my family's actually from Louisiana, right? And so I found out through them like, oh, Larry, they have game stuff down here. Right, I'm like where <laughs> LSU? Are you kidding? So I'm not even gonna dog the school, but I will right. talk about this individual specifically, and I wish you knew his name. But one. In you going up to approach this person, the reason why he is there, obviously, yeah. right, is to either recruit talent or to recruit students. If he went to GDC, even to recruiting recruit- students, though, like I don't, I don't think students go there to go to school. You know, what I mean, they Dude, already go to a school. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, at, every everything is wrong about the fact that someone is bringing an opportunity to you, and even if you think, right, like okay, this person just spent forty seconds explaining to me that there's a business opportunity to link professionals in the game industry with their students who probably already are thinking, why the hell am I going to go to LSU to learn game development? Right. Mm -hmm. This is something that could have helped to shit on it by saying, we're not interested in scamming out of, how did you not punch him in the face? Dude. So (laughs) I, I'm, I'm quite new to this. Right. So I thought like, Hey, let's just play it cool. You know, uh, just because he ain't classy doesn't mean I don't Mm -hmm. have to be, but I totally, I give you that. Yeah. Yeah. But like in retrospect, as soon as he gave me the go, I was like, I should have knocked this motherfucker out. (laughs) It's like, you're completely right. Because you said it best. It's like, he already soured the situation. So there's Mm -hmm. nothing there to savage. Just go ahead and let him know because maybe next time he won't open his stupid mouth at a GDC, a GDC, yeah. like everyone is either a professional or looking to become a professional, right? Yeah. What, what, what was it about me outside of how oh, I looked Brandon. that make it look like I'm scamming this guy, right? So I just, if, any, if so, the listeners, you don't know, I'm Asian, by the way, right? Yeah. I represent 80% of GDC, motherfucker. <laughs> I'm I was sorry just for testing, say if you- but this is crazy, yeah. Yeah. So in all fairness, I'll, I'll back off the jokes and go back to serious. I don't, I wouldn't punch anybody in the face over right. something like this. I don't condone the violence, especially in, the, that's the easiest way. Verbally to, punch him in the face. Yeah. Like <laughs> it's, we're just speaking figuratively. Right, 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 right. Huge misstep by this individual. We are spending time on our podcast, right. To draw as much attention to this negative act mm. that this person committed as possible mm. to also shine some light on the fact that Brandon, you've worked on, bigger titles than that person has you have friends that have worked on bigger titles than that person has i know this because you are still making games and you are not given the job of just trying to bring people to the school or find students Mm -hmm. right 
not no disrespect to anyone who has that type of job. But what I'm saying is you actually are a key component that could have been successful for that school if things had gone a different way. Yeah. Right. But because, you know, Did- hey, you're not white. You're not, you know, and I don't even want to say it was just white, but I'm just, okay, actually, I should take that back. I'm generalizing because it's LSU and I'm familiar with that area. I'm familiar with people in that area. And I wasn't there, but let me ask you this, Brandon, was it a Caucasian individual? Mm, It's very Caucasian. Okay. (laughs) So I'm not going to let that be the reason why I say he was looking at you because you weren't right. White, because one, I'm assuming something that I don't know. Right. I'm just saying I'm familiar with types of <laughs> from that area. Right. I'm familiar with that type of response. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I'll just say I'm putting two and two together and assuming I'm going out on a limb and assuming that, yes, he had a problem with you. Uh, he didn't think that you represented something credible. Mm-hmm. He didn't think that you could possibly be very experienced. Mm-hmm. You damn near don't look much older than a student yourself. <laughs> Right. Thank you. He didn't yeah. see your portfolio. He didn't know the company name. Didn't even so ask. all that he had, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Huge, huge, huge messed up. And I'm sorry for being like racially assumptuous because right. that's not doing any better than this individual. Right. right, right, right. right. right? So like, I'm not going to be a hypocrite on here. I'm just trying to help you cope with like, no, Brennan, you have a legit resume. You have legit credentials. Right, right. And it didn't matter in that case. That guy just made a huge misstep. So if I were you. I would never associate with LSU. I would never tell people anything good about LSU's game development program. I would go on the podcast that I owned and worked on. And I'm not even going to say that, like, we're going to air the grievance and, like, try to down talk them. But simply facts are facts. Hey, things happened. Yeah. Honestly, you, you had good quality content. They can look you up, look up games that you worked on. Look at your LinkedIn. See the friends, Brandon Pham, Larry Charles. I don't give a shit. Right. There's people that you know who you work with, who you're doing the side thing with that would have benefited any of the students there. Right. Because we're in the industry. We're doing what they're, what they're promising these students that students they're going to help do, them yeah. do. So, hey, you know. I, I hope he hears this and says, well, fuck you too. But still, the damage is done, right? Like, people have heard us say this. and We'll, we'll, you know, see, we'll see him next year. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm going to say with a mic. Yeah. Uh, you should get a table right next to their table <laughs> and, like, have a long line of students who are like, oh, we know about your podcast. We know about your – We know. know about, oh, man, it's so good. Thank it's you so much. It's worth it. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> I, that's the one thing that happened that had me, like – I was fuming while it was happening. I was fuming when I left, and it took me like a good day to be like, "Did he? Yeah, I did. I think he did." <laughs> it was just I was so downfounded that at a place like GDC, where it was obvious he was sitting there to for business opportunities for that he death. yeah, yeah he, he completely shot a, with total disrespect, right? Without looking, it would be another thing if he looked at my resume. He was like, "Yeah, I don't think you're a good fit." But he completely just shot shot everything down before even investigating, which I think in any biz dev, it's just bad. It's always well, a bad so, call. It's so stupid to create a competitor for no reason, yeah. right? Like, if you would have said, oh, I'm representing Game School Online, and here's right, some right, of the right. things that we offer, right? And he's like, oh, we're not interested in scamming. So, like, oh, okay, well, hey, <laughs> like... <laughs> You know what I mean? Like you, you, it's the whole Lamborghini Ferrari story. Dude, you know, you somebody who has the potential. His face was twitching. His face was twitching to say it was a scam like midway through. Like it wasn't even, he was like tuned out. 
And I knew it was tuning out, but I didn't expect that kind of response, you know. Um, anyways, I, I don't want to dwell too long on it. In retrospect, it's funny. It's fucked up, but it's funny, right? Because, you know, obviously we're fine. Uh, he's the one with no students going to Louisiana. So <laughs> in the end, you know, this is something that, you know, um, it, that was the only thing that happened, right? I, I've seen it happen uh, during that week to other people, uh, coming from, uh, coming to GDC with biz dev in mind. Like I saw those type of things where money was, you know, a factor where, you know, you know, person, the person meetings, it it went back to stereotypes or, or, uh, uh, I would say predisposed, uh, thoughts basically. Mm -hmm. So I saw that. And so that was, I'm new to this, right? So I'm I'm new to this. So that's something I feel like should be, uh, should make people aware that when you're going to GDC with a different, you know, maybe you're later in your career, you're finally shifting from just working for someone to working for yourself and you're representing yourself, not just as a student, but as like years of professional experience. I believe that this is, gonna happen uh so at best you know you can only worry about yourself present yourself well but in the end just expect the unexpected when it comes to this stuff so i just wanted to share that because that was the first time like i said this is my first gdc where a lot of new things uh, i haven't seen happened and just to clarify our half of this more specifically mine because i went on the little bit of a rant about racial stuff (laughs) I am not racist, like not even one bit. You can yeah. look at. I love all colors. I, I'm not gonna say you can look at because then I feel like the people <laughs> I would yell at. I've got my black friend. Like, look no, at look at my Facebook. I'm not, <laughs> yeah, I'm not racist at all. Not even in the least bit. And uh, I just want to say that. <laughs> like I can verify. I promise you, I'm not racist. I just have spent a lot of time around racist people in right. Louisiana, and it sounded like he had racist <laughs> symptoms. Yeah, it felt like it too. Yeah, he's the type who would name all his black friends. <laughs> so, <laughs> all, but all of them. So that that's that. Uh, I feel like in general it was a fun experience. The parties still happen. The hotel lobbies, I think, was an extra oomph uh, that we didn't emphasize too much. We knew what was going on, but the lobbies and the hotels were a big hot spot for a lot of uh, meetings. Um, mm. It was. You know, and we'll end it like this. Like when you finally come up, came up at, on Friday, uh, we had no idea what the turnout would be. We just tweeted it out on Discord yeah. or whatever. Like, like hey, in an hour, hour notice, one hour notice, meet us here and there. And like, it was a good turnout for an unofficial yeah. official. It was like 20 people showed up yeah. and we took up great. the top of a burger, super burger or Uber Uber Super Duper Burgers or something. Super Duper Burger. And yeah, uh, yeah, we we had a chance to talk to all you listeners out there that actually made it. It was really cool face to face. Um, Some of you guys were taller than I thought you would be, but I'm sure, you know, Larry was a lot taller than you guys thought. So uh, we'd love to hear more about that. (laughs) Let's just take that. (laughs) So it was cool, man. And unexpectedly, we had Ray in town. Uh, as yeah. always, and it was a full round table. It was the full, it was the all the voices they know and love were able to make it to the super duper burgers. And right. shout out to every single one of you guys that was able to make it. Every hand that I shook, it meant something more than just meeting somebody new. And it was somebody who was like, Hey, I'm here because you do this thing that I like, and I feel like you're part of my life. 
every Tuesday morning as I drive to work, you know, like, no, it, it's cool, cool to hear these stories of like people who are supporting us. And honestly, Patreon supporter or not, like that's besides the point. You just being there because we threw something and you thought it was going to be cool to show up and like hang out. Can't tell you how much that means to me, man. I will never forget this GDC 2018 for just the start of like, you know, our first little live thing. And right. maybe we can do more because you guys showed up and showed us that hey, it was worth a damn, you know? So. Right. So we're, it's super motivated us. There's a lot of good things that came out of it. And uh, we're going to continue or uh, uh, to build this up. And uh, just wanted to say like, when this, when we lead into the live uh, interviews that I was mentioning at the beginning of the podcast, you know, it was really cool. Like I was finally able to, you know, walk around with a little mic in hand uh, and talk to any developers right then and there. Right. Uh, and, and, and just have a live reaction back and forth. And it was really fun. And I hope uh, that we approach that faster um, than we think, because I think there's a lot of value just having live episodes uh and uh we have such a plethora of people that we interviewed i would love to have a mix mixer with mm-hmm. just all the guests yeah oh man come on all the guests yeah. all the listeners all in one room and just let's put a face to that voice right it'd be really if we fun. could do ted talks yeah or something like the game dev Unchained, you know shorter than the podcast but more impactful like knowledge bombs being dropped in like maybe 30 minutes per speaker right and we do three in a day four in a day dude it'd be a lot of fun so uh, and we're gonna work towards game. that <laughs> we're working towards that everyone uh yeah. this gdc of anything has pushed us towards that direction even more like it was great kind of seeing everyone quoting episodes <laughs> way back. Uh, and it was really a, a flattering. So uh, thank you everyone who showed up and uh, we're going to work really hard to make it yeah. a reality for our next goal. It was actually good to hear immediately that people were like, yeah, we listened to the episode on GDC and you guys weren't kidding. Like <laughs> everything you said was true. And especially some of the stuff about what was the one, uh, one of the guys was like, yeah, you weren't kidding. He was like, when you said you stopped seeing the badges, like you're starting to <laughs> it gets get dark. The- yeah, Dude, yeah, some, yeah. some of the, some of the, we went, to, so I went to the art station, Noman mixer. Oh, yeah, 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 Dude, yeah. it was deep. It was deep into the city, like places where you would not hang out after yeah. certain hours and you would it's have to stand in line for like an hour or something before you get in. Security so. guard got stabbed, right? Oh, I didn't was hear that about at, that. Was that at the art station party? So I heard two things. I would believe that. For at the art station party, I heard that, and I don't want to say this and attach art station and it not be true. This is going off of my memory and hearsay. But I heard that at the, I believe it was the art station party that the security guard was actually approached and stabbed by a homeless man. Holy and crap. obviously was taken to the hospital. It was a very unfortunate situation. Dude. So Second I, one did, I, heard, I did see um, like a... So while I was waiting in line, there was like a back and forth with the security guy and a homeless man. I don't know if that's the same couple, but sure. there was an altercation if that did happen before. So that was one story I heard. And the second story I heard was, I think it was the Hilton Weston something hotel. One of those hotels. A dude apparently was outside and they said he got caught slipping. Three women just ran up on him and tried to mug that. him. Another dude tried to jump in and like, you know, fend off the, these, these attackers yeah. and they maced his ass too. And just two dudes got taken out by, 
I don't I don't know who to say. I don't know if they were game related or just local. I don't know this this pack. They just showed up, handled business, and peaced out apparently. But yeah, I'm telling you guys, GDC is in San Francisco, and San Francisco looks nice and it seems nice. But there are some parts where some shit goes down, guys. So you yeah. guys just be careful, especially late. Um, but yeah, I I heard about the second story. I didn't hear about the first. But uh, with that being said, I did some live interviews, Larry, just practicing my chops. And uh, <laughs> hopefully you guys enjoy it. We talked to a good range of developers and uh, would love for you guys feedback on this because this is something we definitely want to keep doing as mm-hmm. we approach our goals and, and listen and enjoy, guys. Yeah. And sorry for being racist. <laughs> hey, so I'm with Lovepreet from Hut 90 and you're demoing a witch game. And do you mind kind of talking about a little background of what you do? So I'm demoing Okuto Madworld. It's a fast-paced action game with swords and guns. And it's been in development for just under two years. And hopefully be out this year. Yeah. Dude, I was just playing it. It was a lot of fun. I love co-op games. I think this is very, you know, it has a very appealing, simple graphics. Uh, how big is your development team? At the moment, it's just me. But we're hoping to go with the team in the near future. Right. Dude, it looks awesome. It plays fun. Uh, so what was the original idea? How did you come about doing this? So we made a game doing uh, Ludum Dare, which is a game jam in December 2015. Okay. And we... Like a week before Ludum Day, I would watch Kill Bill for the first time. So this game was in, actually inspired by Kill Bill. Oh, okay, okay. Dude, so um, with two years, with two people, I'm guessing, are you the artist or programmer? Um, I do. You do everything? Yeah, pretty much. Oh, my the God. the music or the character animations. Right, right. So, so what's your background? Did you work in game development before, or did you just, is this literally your first project? Um, this is actually my second project, uh-huh. and I started actually going to games uh, by making them in my spare time after my full-time job. Right. Eventually going part-time and then going full-time into game development. So what was the transition like? So obviously you're the full-fledged indie developer. You do everything yourself. It looks great. It plays well. Um, so what were the challenges that made you finally go full-time? What were the uh, the gates that opened for you that made you like, hey, I can do this? Um, I actually got like, very little bit of funding from uh, the government to, oh. to set up the company. I used that to make my first game, get my name out, right. and I, I used that to, to make my second game as well now. Right, right. So this doesn't sound like the U.S. government that's granting these, so where, where are you from? Well, the company was initially in the U.K., but we actually moved to, to the U.S. now. Okay. So Hood 90 is actually a U.S. company, okay. like two months old. Oh, nice. Congratulations. Uh, so as a co-op game, was this an initial idea that you guys had to do? Like, hey, it has to be co-op. What were the main points that you guys knew coming in, making in the game that you wanted to stick to? Well, the game was initially single player and you had to feel good to play. It had to be easy to play, so we wanted people to just pick up a controller and play. Um, the core gameplay was actually inspired by rock, paper, scissors. Oh, yeah. So every move in the game is um, stronger than another move, but inferior to a different move. Uh-huh. So it allows people to be creative while keeping the gameplay simple. Yeah, I, I, I love the concept, man. I really, like, the graphics is, like, reminiscent of what the gameplay is. It's like, I can pick it up, I get it. I'm just mashing, I'm just having fun with friends. So is this only on LAN, or is it online as well? So we're working on online mode at the moment, and hopefully it should be done in the next few months. Okay. Uh, made in Unity or Unreal? Unity. Unity all the way, all right. So, uh, so what, 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 as, uh, obviously you have, like, experience launching your first game. 
and this is your second game that you're playing around with has been in development of two years. What are the main differences developing your first game uh, to your second game as a vet? Um, we made a lo lot of mistakes in the first game, so the core gameplay in the first game was really bad, the marketing was really, done really bad. The general game was quite bad, Right. so like we learned from that, uh, we prototyped the game a lot quicker than our first game, made, tested it out, took it to a lot more events, right. got a lot more feedback from it, and we used that feedback to make a great game. Yeah, all being at GDC definitely helps. Like, is this your first big event, or like, you guys have been doing this a lot? Over the past year, we showed the game quite a lot, so we showed the last year GDC as well, South by Southwest, mm. um, some local festivals in the UK. Mm. So obviously you're wearing a lot of hats. Yeah. So uh, the game, I don't know where you guys are with the development, but like you going to these events and, and everything must take a lot of time from actually going in there, rolling your, your sleeves up and making the game. Like how are you able to balance everything? Um, I actually try to do as much work as possible on the airplane as well. Oh, so, like, man. It's pretty much all work, then all the events, yeah. then work again, then maybe a little bit of sleep here and there. Right, right, right. Oh, man, a true indie developer. That's really awesome. Well, like, what you have on, on the shelf right here, you guys need to check it out. It's really cool. It's really fun. Um, looking forward to it. And is there any, this is where you can plug anything, any website, check it out type of thing? Well, you can check out Akuta Malware on Steam. We are out on Steam Early Access at the moment. Okay. And go buy it if you like it. Uh, you obviously have done a lot of demos, right? So you're you're pretty seasoned in, in these type of shows. So what what kind of tips do you have there for people who are coming to these events with their full game and they don't know what to cut or what to show? I'll say just have the core game in there. So maybe the best two three levels, simple game. Um, make sure it doesn't last longer than five ten minutes so that more people can play it. Make sure there's a demo mode on the game. So if no one plays the game for say 30 seconds, it loops a video or goes in into the AI starts playing. Um, take a sheet of your controls because sometimes your voice goes or people can't understand you. So with a sheet with your controls, people just look at it and think, "Oh, that's how you play the game." Right, right. Yeah. Like what? What I like your approach is like you're just letting people, hey, enjoy the game and see it. A lot of these guys, when I go to these trick shows, they just all over you and yeah, sign yeah. us up. So, do you notice that type of thing? Have you started out that way, or was it just more like a laid-back approach the whole time? I normally try to stay back and see how people play the game, how they interact via the menus. Um, do they get st stuck on certain menus and make a note of it and right. improve the game? But like, I, I try to stay as hands-off as possible. Yeah, I'm sure it's like a lot of valuable information just watching people because obviously you have Steam Early Access, maybe you can have some comments here and there, but just seeing people interact in, in real life and stuff, it, I mean, does that help with your data, just figuring things out? Do you Have you actually changed things based on live demo demonstrations? Oh, definitely. Like, we noticed that people were struggling when how to join the game. Right. They kept getting confused, so we had to make that more clearer, more simpler. Mm. So uh, initially we had like a start button to start the game, but people were confused. Oh, why do you have to press A, right. then the start button, and then X? It's too confusing, so we simple that to two buttons now. Okay. All right. All right. Thank you. Thank you so much, man. Hi, Abby. <laughs> Welcome to the show. So we're at Game, Dev uh, game Developer Conference. We're looking at your game. Can you give us a little background of where you're from, what you're demoing today? Sure. So my name is Abby Heppy. I'm the communications manager at Media Molecule. And uh, we're participating in Day of the Devs at GDC uh, with our game Dreams. Um, we've been uh, showing it a bunch more this year. We're going to be uh, you know, bringing a bunch of uh, different demos, showcasing different parts of it. But what we're showing at GDC um, is sort of a deeper dive into 
uh, creating gameplay, logic and animation, uh, sort of digital puppetry and dreams. Right, right. Yeah. So you're slowly trying to make everyone to a game developer <laughs> with Little Big Planet, this and Tearaway. So this is so. What's the inspiration behind this? Well, I mean, I think it's a really natural progression for the studio. I mean, you just said it. Like Little Big Planet, you know, has a really ama- amazing creation suite of tools, but you know, maybe not as accessible as something like Dreams is. And I think what's really cool is for me, where you know, I work more in like PR and marketing, but I actually just came off of Train Jam, where myself and a couple of the other molecules here made a game in Dreams over the course of a couple of days. And I don't just mean like we came up with an idea and somebody else made it. I mean, like, sure, we had a really amazing right. designer, John Beach, with us, but like, I made sound effects and art assets, and it's like it's made it really accessible for for me. Uh, and so, like, I know that other people can do it too. Right. Um, and Dreams has like every level of accessibility. So whether it's like you know, there's an entry level for all of the different disciplines within the game, and there's a high level. So like, what people can't see at home is like we're sort of watching um, our audio designer do this really amazing audio demo, and he can get in depth and like tweak notes and do all these like very very specific things. But if you just want to open an instrument in Dreams and like bang around and record right. something fun, you can do that too. So like it's it's like every level of engagement for what you know, however you want to uh, participate. Right, right. I mean, I'm sure your community is a very active part in a lot of what you guys do, and I'm sure at some point you guys must be hiring some of these guys, right, to to, so to help actually, with this stuff. It's funny that you mentioned that because John Beach, who is our designer, who's standing right over here, was a member of the community. Oh, yeah. So he was a member of the creator community in Little Big Planet, and we uh, we have several people at the studio um, who came in through the community. Uh, you know, like we we look at what people make, like, and uh, it, sometimes what they can do with the tools right, is right. mind blowing. Right. Um, and, you know, we're not we haven't quite gotten it into people's hands yet with Dreams, but we will be because we're going to be running you know beta program during the year, and we like we're so excited. It's a, I think anytime you work on a game, the first time that you get it into people's hands, they always do really unexpected stuff with it that right, you've right, never right. imagined would be the right, use, right, right, and right. so I think that's super exciting. Yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of Media Molecule as of many, right? There's just so much that you guys introduced to a lot of, like, the game players out there. I'm a game developer myself, so when I look at it, it was like, I'm so proud, because you're introducing, like, this whole plethora of, like, accessible tools that you can become a game developer to, and I think it's, yeah. a, like, a, a great entry point. Well, to I work. mean, I think you probably know this coming from a game development background as well, but, like, everyone has an idea for a game, right? right, right. So, like, that's the one thing that the game industry has never heard for. Right. Everyone's like, well, hey, I have, like, I talked to my dad, and my dad's like, I have an idea yeah, for a game, and he's like, it's about sailing, and I'm like, no. <laughs> no, no. Uh, like, <laughs> dad, I played Win Waker, we're not doing this. Um, but I mean, I think like like that's the one thing that everybody has, and this actually says like, hey, if you really do have an idea, if you really do have something that you want to make or that you want you want to bring to life, not only can you do it in dreams, but you can also collaborate with other people so easily. Exactly. So I mean, working like asynchronously, so you can just like upload an asset, people can use it, right. and there's genealogy in the game, so they can tell you made that, and then it becomes a part of something that's like bigger, um, you know, or you can make a game with friends or with strangers. Right, you could just right. say like, hey, you're a really cool musician, I'd love to work with you and then use their stuff and so I think like it's basically just making everybody put you know their money where their mouth is and say like oh you got an idea like do it so I think that's pretty cool yeah I mean what what's like the first thing that I noticed with you guys is you guys are using the wands instead of regular controller was that a like a one of those things that you guys initially wanted to try different type of uh, components to to help with people I think one of the things that I've always found really intriguing about Media Molecule and, and you see this through through Tearaway as well is they've always been really innovative with uh, you know with everything on the Sony platform so you know Tearaway used the Vita in ways that I, I think like nobody was really doing at the time and, and really in like creative 
and fun ways that that, were, that really enhanced the gameplay. It wasn't like a barrier to like it was, uh, and I think that's the cool thing about Dreams as well. So, a lot of our artists use the move controllers. I actually just started moving them, uh, using them the other week uh, to sculpt. Right, right. Um, because it's really one to one. It's really intuitive. Like makes a lot of sense. Exactly. Uh, and in like that kind of like three D space, it's really easy to create things with. And I was really intimidated by it because I was like, this isn't my comfort zone. Right. When I started doing it, I was like, oh, this is actually I really like right. doing this more than I like the DS4 controller for art but then when it comes to making music when it comes to doing other parts of the game I prefer the DS4 controller right, so right, right. everybody in the studio has a preference and right. it just kind of goes back and forth and you can use either one you don't need move controllers to yeah, play yeah. the game it's uh, you know it's just like an added bonus if you really especially if you really want to get into sculpting though it's awesome Yeah, it's really fun like it, it's just having a low bar for entry and I think one of the, these games what make them very successful is just because it looks cool it looks like I can create something be like a director of my own thing <laughs> yeah, and like, and if you don't want to do that, you can just play games. Like, you, like, there's so many things that even just people in the studio have made in their spare time that yeah. are these like fun little awesome right, experiences. Right, right. Uh, that like, even if you never engage with the great tools, there's so much in dreams for you to just like play and explore. And we've made a whole game using right. the same tools we're giving everybody else. Exactly. So it's uh, you know we've set like the here's what we do with it, mm-hmm. and then I don't I don't know. I think seeing that first wave of community content, like I can't imagine that there's going to be anything more exciting. All right, why why don't you do a plug? <laughs> So uh, we are going to be running a beta this year, and we will have, uh, like, through our social channels, which is on Twitter, at Media Molecule, uh, pretty much everywhere, it's at Media Molecule. You know who um, they are, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we'll be announcing, like, how people can get involved with that, and we'll have more information on it in the future. So, um, you know, we're really looking forward to seeing what people do with it. So uh, everybody should should come and try their hand at making something awesome. Awesome. All right. Hi right, guys, I'm here at uh, GDC with Pixel Maniacs, representative of Val. How are you doing, Val? I'm fine. How are you? So, uh, what are you here for? What are you demoing right now? Uh, can drive this. That's one of our games. It's a cooperative game where one player uh, drives a racing track, and the racing track is built by by the second player right. in real time. Right. Like, next to each other. So, I'm an environment artist by trade. Oh. One of the scariest things are uh, procedural levels. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I think this is the best case that I've ever seen you using procedural level it makes sense you're driving a vehicle you're building it at the same time it looks and plays really fun so how did this idea come about uh thanks first of all but um yeah the idea came during game jam Jam. so we uh, participated in ludum there Mm -hmm. so we had 20 uh, 72 hours to finish a working game that's what happened and since then we're like polishing everything and uh, yeah adding features and stuff yeah uh so do you feel like game jams i don't know how many you guys did before this one or after this one you feel like it's a great way for you guys to like work well together i don't know if you guys worked together before or what was the situation was it just mostly for an idea uh both like we worked together before uh we uh, that's our second game and the, uh-huh. the one before uh um we created it during ludum dar as well and i don't know it's just a great way to come up with ideas mm-hmm. so uh you just play along and if the idea is fun you can evaluate if it's uh worth it to make it a uh, like a real game right. and to bring it out in the market that's what happened with this game right 
and yeah, it's fun. So I was talking to Steve yesterday. You guys have a very interesting beginning or background, right? You guys were in mo- mobile app development before. Right, yeah. it, was it under the same umbrella, uh, company name, or a different company? Yeah, it's, it is the same company, but uh, we branded it for gaming. So because the company name is some very corporate. Yeah, very corporate, long German gibberish. Oh, okay. and, um, nice. So we branded us uh, Pixel Maniacs for for the console and PC right. games. Right, yeah. Right. I mean that's a very interesting. So do you? feel the difference in the well creatively you guys are probably having more fun but any other differences that you guys have since you guys were veterans of mobile app development to finally game uh, development what, yeah, what differences de- definitely uh, marketing branding like uh, social media community and all this stuff is really important when you do like mobile apps or games it's like uh, it doesn't matter who you are right. uh, people buy apps like or they don't even buy it like it's free to play stuff and right. um, so they don't care who makes this and they just uh, download and play along mm-hmm. that's different uh, on the console and PC market right, right. so yeah well I could definitely say you guys coming in with an advantage right? with a whole mobile app development being in the background you know yes it is a game but it's still like you're you're fishing the huge pond type of thing with the app store and everything uh, have you guys felt any differences with the marketing or is it straight up everything that you guys learned and still applies it's totally different okay. that's what I can tell like I'm no I'm no marketing person so oh, okay. I, I can I, it's like I can't uh, I don't know the details but it's quite different like uh, how you sell when you sell how, how you how, how you promote your game and the mobile market has uh, for example there's no influencers right so like uh, being on Twitch or YouTube that is, is very, very important true. even as a game company as a developer it's uh, it's quite important to be present so people know who you are right. uh, doesn't matter uh, doesn't happen on mobile platforms right, like, right, right. Or, or maybe on mobile platforms but not like conventional apps right. you brought up an interesting point even on the podcast we've talked about this there's a bunch of influencers for PC for console for some reason there's not any mobile influence I can't even think of one even as an amateur why do you think that is with mobile being so huge the last 5 to 10 years you know Maybe it's hard to stream this stuff. Like, really <laughs> obvious. Yeah. How do I make this look <laughs> exciting? Yeah, it's very true, right? No, really. Like, uh, what do you do? Like, uh, place a camera in, for, in front of your mobile device? Or, uh, I don't know. So, it's yeah, a very hard it, thing. It, yeah. yeah, maybe it would be like... Uh, somehow you have to capture it and stream it like making Twitch stream with Dude, I would watch even the attempt I want to see someone like try oh, to I've make seen, it super I've awesome seen oh, you see the attempt yeah, yeah, yeah. is this horrific how it's, it turns out it's interesting uh, but didn't work out I guess no, no. You, you probably have to get like a hand modeler you know <laughs> with nice hands to demo your game at that yeah, point because it becomes a thing yeah. can't just show it off on a screen because it's very hard right mm-hmm. but uh, I mean obviously this one is for X Xbox One. Are you yeah. guys going for any other console? Yeah, and, and X- Steam, obviously. Yeah, Steam. Yeah, there's an early access ver- version out on Steam already, mm. and like the final release is gonna be. We want it on all major platforms like Xbox One or Xbox One X, right. uh, Windows 10, PlayStation, and Switch. Obviously, mm-hmm. this game fits the this Switch like fits it's perfect, perfect, fit, perfect yeah. fit. Yeah, and Steam. That's it. Did I forget anything? I don't think so. No, that, that pretty much covers everything. Yeah. So I, I ask this to everybody because I am seeing a shift 
with Steam becoming the new app store, as in it's getting so much content now. Mm -hmm. How are you guys feeling with that? Like, is Steam still relevant in what you guys need to do, or is there, if not, what is the other thing that everyone is kind of going for? It's still uh, relevant. Like, it's uh, of course, it's a platform, it's a market, it's huge, and I, yeah, there's. It's saturated, maybe. Yeah. So, but the, it's not what should stop you from releasing on this platform. Right, you have to. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a lot of uh, alternatives, but right. doesn't mean like you switch a platform, you uh, extend. Exactly. That's what I recommend, I guess. Right, right, right. Yeah. Well, thank you, Val. Thank you so much, man. That thank was you. really good. Awesome. New episode of the game. I'm here with Chris Darrow from uh, Remother SRL. Remother SRL. So, do you mind kind of talking about what you're presenting here? Yeah, I'm the creator director of the game and introduce uh, you Remothered. Remothered to me, this father's is the first game of a Planet trilogy. It's a survival game, more like a modern clock tower. Mm -hmm. It's a really a story-driven game with lots of uh, story stuff. It's less based on action, gunshots and others. You are, you are as um, uh, Rosemary Reed, are just a common woman at um, 35 years old. Mm -hmm. You find yourself here in this house just looking for a missing girl and you meet different people that just look like normal but they are mostly inside so in this game you don't find monsters you don't find ghosts you just find the normal people that turn into monsters nice. illness uh, mental illness monsters right so it's a really a strategical game it's not just identical game so like an outlast or uh, amnesia amnesia i love it but uh, right. okay it's more identical you can also react but uh, as a common woman of 35 years in a common house could could, uh, could do sorry yeah. so uh, she can find a bottle she can throw it against an enemy mm -hmm. or for example she uh, take a rope and uh, use it to close the door uh, or she hides under the sofa inside the closet and a lot of these strategies so together uh, makes uh, the experience different mm -hmm. um, a gamer to another gamer right so is this a single player experience Yeah, it's a single player experience. Uh, as I said, it's mostly driving, so there are no uh, lots of, uh, like, for example, uh, uh, RPG mm -hmm. uh, stuff, but it's more like, as I say, you a simulation of uh, a real survival horror, like a horror right. uh, experience. Right. So uh, you were mentioning you guys are a pretty small team. How small are you guys? Sorry? Uh, how, how small, how big is your development team? Oh, okay. Sorry, I didn't touch it. Uh, We are around 10 or 15. Wow, okay. Yeah, yeah. So what was your main inspiration? Obviously, horror game is coming back. You know, a lot of streamers love doing horror games. Yeah. People love playing horror games. Yeah, uh, to be honest, I'm not only a horror person. Dude, I'm, I'm the worst, too. I love uh, all the kind of movies and video games. This time, I thought uh, it, it was the change to start with something like this. Uh, uh, to be honest, it starts like a thriller. It turned me into an horror. At the end, it really uh, become, becomes really sad uh, and right. tragic. So right. it's not just a small horror game with jump scare. There just, are yeah. a lot of jump scare, but they are not scripted. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, once uh, you, find, you find out about the enemies or 
something other. Right. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah, this game was inspired by a lot of um, games, uh, games and movies. Yeah. Um, Rule of Rose, Black Tower, Sun and Teal, mm -hmm. but also like game and uh, movies, sorry, uh, like uh, Rosemary Baby right. and uh, Silence of the Lambs, Shining, right. and Psycho by Hitchcock. Movies that I love so much. So is this for Stormin Games, Stormine Games? Uh, is uh, this we are both the real arts, it's me and my partners. Okay. We are the EP, the intellectual property uh, owners. Owners, okay. Yeah. And uh, we are the publisher. Okay. And we made this partnership with Stormine Games, it is that are the developers and the marketing staff. I see, I see, I see. So we just had this big family, right. this little big family all together, and we were working on it uh, since two years ago. Right. But a little less than two years ago, if we consider the pre-production of the game. Right. So concept art, story, and uh, dialogues and others. So I, I have an ear for accent. You're not American. Where, no, where are you guys no, no, based? No. <laughs> I, we are Italian. All right. Italian. I'm Italian as well. Uh, my name is Chris, but my surname is not Daryl. It's like a nickname I created when I was just uh, 16, I think. Right, or yeah. 17, I don't remember. But my surname is Balenti. Okay. So, Italy, right? So, what, yeah. what's the gaming? I, I kind of have an overview of what the European gaming industry is like over there. How's it, Italy itself? Yeah. Actually, in Italy, the situation with video games is really hard because we have no help from the, uh, the, the, the uh, our country. Right. Uh, still, there is people saying, "Ah, oh, you're doing video games? Oh, well, it's a hobby. It's not art." Right. Uh, something is probably evolving uh, in the last years right. with uh, little gems, uh, gems of games, uh, uh, but it's still so uh, so early to say something really good. Right. Anyway, we have a point of view really strange because after we really launched the game on Steam mm -hmm. on January 30th, uh, Italy was probably one of the worst selling uh, countries. After the game is set in Italy and is made by Italians. I see. Fortunately, they, they probably prefer games with more uh, action, more commercial games uh, like Call of Duties, right. uh, like uh, uh, Players Underground. And players and Battlegrounds, okay. yeah. Uh, or, for example, for us, Dead by Daylight, uh, for the team. So, multiplayer. Right, right. That's right. But, okay, uh, everyone has his personal um, feelings about games and movies. Uh, it's the same with movies as well. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Just all, it all has to do with preference, and it takes like a great game to get everyone interested. Of course, shooters are a lot more approachable, right? But you guys are doing something different, it seems like, in country, trying to get the horror games out there. Um, is this your first uh, first show? No? You guys been doing a lot no, of shows lately? We were already at Paris Games Week, and we Games week. Okay, so is Stormine Games part of the help to get you guys a booth and everything and get set up, or is it something you guys have to apply and still go through the whole? Like being an indie team, I imagine you guys have to do it yourself. No, no, a lot, they, right? they were funded uh, just for the games. I see. Both the Relax and Stormine Games. Okay. Yes. Well, it looks great. Thank Can't you. wait. Yeah. Uh, it was a pleasure. All right, thank you. Thank you so much. All right. Well, I hope you enjoyed those interviews and hope the audio quality was all right. I'm Larry Charles, and I'm saying good night. Hey, everyone. Thank you for listening. I'll see you guys next week.
If you enjoyed this podcast and you want to stay in touch or continue to follow our developments, then you need to go to facebook.com forward slash game dev unchained and drop a like and stay in touch. You can also get the direct feed for this podcast on soundcloud.com forward slash game dev unchained.